Book Two, Chapter Six of Strangers and Pilgrims. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Strangers and Pilgrims by Mary Elizabeth Braden. Book Two, Chapter Six. Since there's no help, come let us kiss and part nay i have done you get no more of me and i am glad yea glad with all my heart that thus so cleanly i myself can free shake hands for ever cancel all our vows and when we meet at any time again be it not seen in either of our brows that we one jot of former love retain elizabeth was sitting alone in the shady back drawing-room on the morning after her triumph carelessly robed in white muslin pale exhausted languid as the lady in hogarth's marriage a la mode mrs chevenix was recruiting her forces mental and physical by prolonged and placid slumbers but elizabeth was not of the order of being who could sleep off the fumes of dissipation so easily her brief night had been a perpetual fever the voice of adulation still in her ears the lights the faces of the crowd still before her dazzled eyes the passion and feeling of peg woffington still racking her heart i wonder actresses don't all die young she thought as she tossed her weary head from side to side vainly seeking slumber's calm haven now she was lying on the sofa prostrate an unread novel in her hand a cup of tea on a tiny table by her side a fan and scent bottle close at hand for she had taken to her aunt's manner of sustaining life in its feebler moments she threw aside her novel presently and unfurled her fan i wish i was really an actress she thought that would be a life worth living to hear that thunder of applause every night to see every eye fixed upon one a vast audience listening with a breathless air and to move in a strange world a world of dreams and to love and suffer and despair and rejoice within the compass of a couple of hours yes that is life she smiled to herself as she wondered what her lover would think of such a life i shall tell him all about it now that it is over she said to herself if i had told him before he would have given his veto against the whole business i dare say but he can hardly be very angry when i make a full confession of my misdemeanor especially as it was for a charity and i think he will be a little proud of my success in spite of himself there had been a dance at the rancho after the general public had dispersed and elizabeth had been the star of the evening the object of everybody's outspoken admiration all the performers had been praised of course mr cinqmars for his lifelike rendering of triplet in which personation he was declared by some enthusiastic friends to have rivalled webster and lemaitre mrs cinqmars for her pathos and charming appearance 
as mabel vane lord paulyn and the major for their several merits but no one attempted to disguise the fact that elizabeth's had been the crowning triumph enthusiastic young men told her that she ought to go on the stage that she would take the town by storm and make ten thousand a year and so on lord paulyn told her but that was only a repetition of what he had told her before you promised you would never speak of that subject again she said it was in a waltz as they were whirling round to the soldaten leader i shall speak of it till my dying day he said yes if it makes you ever so angry remember what i told you i swore an oath the day i saw you first i will never dance with you again oh yes you will but i tell you what you will never do you will never marry that parson fellow it isn't possible that after having seen what the world is and your own capacity for shining in it you could lead such a life as you'd have to lead with him ah that's because you don't know how much i love him the girl answered with a radiant look i'd rather be shut up in a convent like heloise and exist upon an occasional letter from him than have all the pleasures of the world without him bosh said the viscount bluntly a week of the convent would make you tell another story your fancy for this man is one of your caprices and heaven knows you're about the most capricious woman in the world you like him because everyone is opposed to your marrying him because it's about the maddest most suicidal thing you could do i'm tired said elizabeth take me to my seat please and having once released herself from him she took care that lord paulyn should have no further speech with her that night she thought of his impertinences this morning as she lay on the sofa listlessly fanning herself thought of his obstinate pursuit of her and thought with some touch of pride in her own superiority to sordid considerations how very few young women in her position would have held out against such a siege she was in the midst of a half-stifled yawn when the pompous butler opened the door in his grand sweeping way and announced mr ford she sprang to her feet her heart beating violently her tired eyes brightening with sudden joy and seemed as if forgetful of the scarcely departed butler she would have flung herself into her lover's arms her lover alas was that a lover whose grave eyes met hers with so cold a gaze she drew back appalled by that strange look malcolm she cried what is the matter there is so much the matter miss luttrell that i hesitated this morning as to whether i should write you a brief note of farewell or come here to bid you my last good-bye in person the girl drew herself up with her queenliest air trembling with a strange inward shiver sick at heart cold as death she yet faced him resolutely ready to see the ship that carried all her freight of hope and gladness go down to the bottom of the ocean without one cry of despair it was at least polite to call she said loftily may i ask what has caused this abrupt change in your plans i think it is scarcely needful for you to inquire but i have no wish to be otherwise than outspoken 
i was at your friend's house last night and saw you i hope you were not very much shocked by what you saw not for worlds would she now have apologized for her conduct or explained that she had intended to tell him all about the amateur performance at the rancho when it was over i might have forgiven what i saw though if you had known my mind in the least you must have known how unwelcome such an exhibition would be to me did i play my part so badly then she asked with a little offended laugh womanly vanity asserting itself even in the midst of her anguish did i make so great a fool of myself he took no notice of the inquiry but went on with suppressed passion standing before her his broad muscular hand grasping the back of one of mrs chevenix's fragile chairs which trembled under the pressure i heard your attractions your opportunities your future discussed very freely between the acts of your comedy i heard of your engagement to lord paulyn my engagement to lord paulyn she cried staring at him with widening eyes yes a fact which i found confirmed this morning by one of the newspapers in the coffee-room where i breakfasted he gave her a copy of the court journal you will see your name there among the announcements of impending marriages in high life a marriage is on the tapis between lord paulyn and miss luttrell daughter of the rev wilmot luttrell vicar of hawley it was rather hard that you should allow the court newsman to be wiser than i eager words of denial trembled on her lips but before they could be spoken pride silenced her what he came to her in this ruthless fashion came with his course resolved and resigned her as coolly as if she were a prize not worth contesting you have come here to-to give me up she said i have resigned myself to circumstances but would it not have been as well to be off with the old love before you were on with the new it is a matter of little consequence perhaps to the new love but it is not quite fair to the old you have not taken the trouble to think that this paragraph may be a newsmonger's unlicensed gossip as meaningless as the talk you may have heard last night he looked at her earnestly no there was neither penitence nor love in that cold beautiful face only pride and anger was it the same face that had looked at him passionately in the moonlight four months ago was this the woman who had almost offered him her love even if this announcement is somewhat premature i've learned enough to know that it is only premature that it must come in due course unless indeed you are more reckless of your reputation than i could have supposed it possible for your father's daughter to be your name has been too long associated with lord paulyn's to admit of any termination but one to your acquaintance for your own sake i recommend you to marry him i am hardly likely to despise such generous advice if you had ever loved me with a sudden burst of passion you could not talk to me like this i have loved you well enough to falsify the whole scheme of my life to sacrifice the dearest wish of my mind but it was such an unwilling sacrifice exclaimed elizabeth bitterly 
god forbid that i should profit by it god only knows how much i have loved you elizabeth for he alone knows the strength of my temptation and the weakness of my soul but you you were only playing at love and the romantic ardour which you assumed with so fatal a charm with so facetious a sentiment that it could not weigh for a single hour against your love of pleasure or stand between your ambition and its object for a single day let it pass with that dead past to which it belongs the dream was sweet enough while it lasted but it was only a dream and it has gone like the chafe of the summer threshing floors she stood like a statue hardening her heart against him what when all the world the world as represented by lord paulyn and society at the rancho was at her feet did he cast her off so lightly without allowing her any fair opportunity of justifying herself for it was hardly to be supposed that she would kiss the dust beneath his feet as it were confessing her sins and supplicating his pardon what had she done only enjoyed her life for this one brief summer-time holding his image in her heart of hearts all the while yes in the very whirlpool of pleasure looking upward at him as at a star seen from the depths of a storm-darkened sea and she had refused park lane cows ashcombe and two more county seats for his sake should she tell him of her rejection of lord paulyn tell him that one incontrovertible fact which must reinstate her at once and for ever in his esteem what tell him this when he spoke of his love as a thing of the past a dream that he had dreamed and done with a snare which he had happily escaped regaining his liberty of election his freedom for that grander life in which human love had no part what sue again for his love lay bare his passionate heart again overstep the boundary line of womanly modesty remind him how she had been the first to love almost the first to declare her love had he not this moment reminded her inferentially of that most humiliating fact thus argued pride and sealed her lips hope spoke still louder let him talk as he might he loved her and could no more live without her than she could exist a reasonable creature without him let him leave her let him renounce her he would come back again would be at her feet pleading for forgiveness himself the acknowledged sinner his the humiliation in that brief happy courtship in those twilight rambles on the outskirts of hawley when for one delicious hour in the day they had been all the world to each other malcolm had laid his heart bare before her had confessed all the anguish that his efforts not to adore her had cost him i have heard of men making as strong a stand against infidelity he said but i doubt if any man ever before fought so hard a fight against a sinless love i must be very horrid the girl answered in her frivolous way or you would scarcely have taken so much trouble to shut the door of your heart against me 
you are all that is lovely and adorable he said but i had made up my mind to be a francis xavier on a small scale and you came between me and my cherished dreams she remembered these things to-day as she stood with locked lips and cold scornful eyes confronting him resolved that from him alone should come the first attempt of reconciliation having renounced me she said at last after a pause in which he had waited heaven knows with what passionate eagerness for any denial or supplication from her in so deliberate and decisive a manner i conclude you have nothing more to say except indeed to tell me to what address i shall send your letters and presents this home thrust she fancied must needs bring him to his senses destroy them all he said savagely they are the memorials of a most miserable infatuation as you please she answered coolly preserving that outward semblance of an unshaken spirit to the last acting her part of indifference and disdain far better than he played his had she not her experience of last night to help her this morning's interview was no whit the less a scenic display an actress's representation of supreme calm with the strong tide of a woman's passion swelling and beating in her stormy breast all the while then there is nothing more he said quietly but with the quietness of suppressed passion and with no attempt to conceal his emotion only trying to carry himself manfully in spite thereof except for us to say good-bye let it be a friendly farewell elizabeth for it is likely to be a long one she looked at him curiously that was hardly the tone of a man who meant to retrace his steps to leave her in anger to-day only to come back to her repentant to-morrow no there was no room to doubt his earnestness he did mean this farewell to be irrevocable this parting for ever and ever it was only when he had turned his back upon her when the door was shut between them that he would discover how impossible it was for them to live apart there must be some reciprocity in these things she thought he could not be so much to me a part of my very life and i nothing to him he must come back to me he held out his hand and she gave him hers and suffered it to remain helpless unresisting in his strong grasp while he spoke to her elizabeth he said there are some things very hard to forgive it is hard for me to forgive you the delusive joys of the last few months the sharp delight i felt that march night when for the first time in my life passionate love had full mastery over my heart and all the world seemed to begin and end in you it is bitter to look back upon that hour to-day and i know that i was the veriest slave of a delusion the blindest fool of a woman's idle fancy 
but i did not come here to reproach you the dream is past you might have spared me the sharpness of this sudden waking but even that i will try to forgive you good-bye he looked at her with a sad strange smile the firm lips set in their old resolute curve but with an unwonted tenderness in the earnest eyes good-bye he repeated let me kiss you once more at parting even if i kiss lord paulyn's plighted wife he took her in his arms she coldly submissive with an almost apathetic air was it not time for her to speak to justify herself to declare that there was no stranger in all the wide city farther from her heart than reginald paulyn no answered pride it would be time enough to enlighten him when he came back to her to-morrow and sued for pardon she would not defend herself she would not stoop to be forgiven had she not humiliated herself too much already for his sake when she gave him the love he had never asked this time i will hold my own against him she thought i will not be for ever humbling myself in the very dust at his feet from the beginning i have loved him with too slavish a love he touched her forehead with his lips the passionless kiss of forgiveness for a great wrong it was the ruin of his air-built castle of earthly hope for which he pardoned her in that last kiss before him wide and far-reaching as the summer sea that he had looked upon a few days ago from a grassy peak among the pentlands stretched a nobler prospect a grander future than her love could ever have helped him to win and hopes that were not earth-bound surely he was resigning very little in his surrender of the one woman he had loved with a love beyond control and yet the parting tore his heart-strings as they had never been strained before not even when he stood by the deathbed of alice fraser i am not destined to be fortunate in my loves he said bitterly the memory of that older anguish mingling curiously with his pain to-day let me try to hope that i have a better destiny than mere earthly happiness the qualifying adjective jarred a little upon her ear he had always set her so low he had always loved her grudgingly with a reservation of his better self giving her only half his heart at best you have been a great deal too good for me she said with exceeding bitterness and you have taken care that i should feel your superiority it is not given to every woman to be like your first love simply perfect and i have some reason to be grateful to those worldly-minded people who are willing to accept me for what i am lord paulyn for instance said mr ford becoming very worldly in a moment his eyes lighting up angrily lord paulyn who has made his adoration of you 
a fact notorious to all the world it is something to have one constant admirer lord paulyn is at least not ashamed of admiring me he does not fight against the sentiment as a weakness unworthy of his manhood he does not feel himself degraded by his attachment this sounded like a direct avowal of the viscount's affection and of her acceptance thereof surely no woman would speak in this manner except of an accepted lover if malcolm ford had fondly hoped for denial for a tardy attempt at justification this unqualified submission was sufficient to enlighten him did not come here to bandy words miss luttrell he said drawing himself up stiffly but i will not leave you without repeating a warning i gave you once before if you set any value upon your peace on earth or your fitness for heaven since a woman is in some measure the slave of her surroundings do not marry lord paulyn i am not apt to go in the way of scandal but i have heard enough of his career to justify me in declaring that union with him would be the quickest road that you could take to lifelong misery yet you advised me just now to marry him rather inconsistent is it not anger is always inconsistent it was passion that spoke then it is reason that pleads now do not let foolish friends persuade you to your ruin miss luttrell your beauty may win as good a position as lord paulyn can give you from a much better man if you are patient and wait a little while for that brilliant establishment which you have no doubt been taught to consider the summit of earthly felicity your advice is as insulting as every word you have said this morning cried elizabeth in a burst of passion forgive me he said with extreme gentleness i did wrong to speak bitterly it is not your fault if you have been schooled by worldly teachers believe me it was of your own welfare your future on this earth and in the world beyond i was thinking oh elizabeth i know that it is in your power to become a good woman that it is in your nature to be pure and noble it is only your surroundings that are false let my last memory of you be one of peace and friendship and let your memory of me be of one who once dearly loved you and to the last had your happiness at heart his softened tone set her heart beating with a new hope that phrase once loved you froze it again and held her silent as death a dull blank shadow crept over her face she stood looking at the ground only just able to stand when she looked up with a blinding mist before her eyes he was gone and dimly perceiving the empty space which he had filled and feeling in a moment that he had vanished out of her life for ever the numbness of despair came over her and she fell senseless across the spot where he had stood end of book two chapter six recording by john brandon